I think every so often you find someone whose taste is so good that you start listening to them even on topics that you don't really think you're interested in because you just trust them. And I think Jay Akunzo, over the past year or so, as I discovered three clips and then moved on to his new podcast, Unthinkable, I think he's reached that bar. So typically, I don't give one crap about baseball, but when Jay Akunzo did a story on it, I was like, all right, I'll give this a try. I don't, I don't really care about baseball. But it's not really about baseball. It's about succeeding. It's about creating fans, about having fun and winning at the same time. I think this story is just fantastic, and you should check it out. For Jesse and his team, that mentality literally starts with their name, the Savannah Bananas. That name was actually from a fan who was picked as the winner of a contest to name the team, announced on February 25th, 2016. But really, the fact that Bananas was a potential name, the fact that it was in contention at all, was all thanks to what happened about six months earlier. October 5th, 2015, we showed up to the stadium. Everything was taken out of the ballpark. The former team cut the phone lines. They cut the internet lines. So we grabbed a picnic table from outside the park. We brought it into an abandoned storage building. It was myself, my wife, our 24-year-old team president, and three 22-year-olds straight out of college. What a crew. So we started using our cell phones, calling everyone to try to get people to buy tickets. We failed miserably. But on November 12th, we had a launch event. So we actually sent invites to every business, everything. We went all in and it was free food, free drinks, everything. We had the whole conference center. We had only about 85 people total show up for us. But we did have the media show up and we announced that we're going to need help naming the team. And so we asked for suggestions. I said, we need something different, something unique, something you know, really interesting and fun for Savannah. So we proceeded to get 999 <laughs> very generic normal names. The, <laughs> the spirits, the ghosts, the ports, the anchors, you know, all just really generic names. And uh, But one woman, Lynn Moses, a 62-year-old nurse, suggested bananas. She wrote, this would be fun. And so we looked at our team and we said, ah, you know, we could have our senior citizen dance team called the Banana Nanas. You know, we could have a mascot named Split. We could have a, uh, you know, we just kept going down the line, go bananas. We kept going all these, all these ideas, all these themes. And so we said, let's roll with it. And we actually spent two days preparing our team to get criticized. So we actually did, uh, we said, uh, all right, guys, when people say that's the dumbest name, I hate it. What are you going to say? And they say, oh, you know, why would you name it? What does, what does that have to do with Savannah? Why would you name the bananas? And we actually worked on it. And we were right. As soon as we named February 25th, uh, locally, we got absolutely crucified. You know, whoever came up with this name should be fired. You'll never sell a ticket. Uh, the owner should be thrown out of town. You guys are an embarrassment to the city. We heard it over and over and over again. But nationally, it was on SportsCenter for 15 minutes. USA Today featured at Yahoo, the front page of Yahoo. It was, it was everywhere. And we started, you know, creating attention. And so then it became polarizing and locals were against it. National was, and it started a conversation, which I think is one of the best parts of marketing. Can you create a conversation? And that's what it did. Nobody leaves a great concert or a great movie right in the middle. So why do so many people often leave baseball games before they're over? They're getting too long, too slow, too boring. We need more entertainment. And that requires changing things both around the game and in it. And yes, Major League Baseball is experimenting with things to do that, like limiting how often a coach can visit the pitcher's mound during the game, or how often they can change pitchers, which often slows the game down and adds dozens of minutes more to the runtime. They're doing lots of pace of play experiments. Nothing quite as radical as the bananas. 
But even still, some traditionalists in the sport clearly believe that some kind of change is needed. So I think Jesse and his team's hypothesis is rather easy to get on board with. But the distance they go to separate themselves from traditional baseball, to cover up the ills of their predecessors and the stigma that is slowly growing and spreading around baseball, causing them to lose fans, causing people who even work for the team to start to check out mentally. That commitment is something to behold. Whether or not you agree with their approach, it's not just an experiment here or there or a single promotion that ends. It's become their identity. And of course, because this is where it all starts, it's become Jesse's identity. He of the yellow tux and yellow top hat day after day after day. Do you ever get sick of wearing the color yellow? And also, how do you avoid just like constant attention from bees? <laughs> the attention from bees. No, I've been very fortunate that they haven't attacked much yet. Uh, maybe they're just confused and disillusioned by this crazy guy in a yellow tuxedo. But uh, <laughs> yes, I am. I am all in on the brand. I am all in on what we do. I believe in it so much. And the yellow tuxedo, I have seven of these. I wear them almost every day. And that's my uniform. When I put it on, it means it's showtime. So uh, yes, I, I am 100% all in on the, the yellow tux. You put on that tuxedo, you said it's your uniform. What changes when one puts on a uniform? You know, I was a baseball guy, played my whole life, and I uh, was fortunate to a, a full college scholarship, played D1 baseball down in South Carolina. And it was a difference. When you put on your uniform, it's a different mindset. You know, it's game day. You're going to battle. You're going, it's a whole different mindset. And, you know, for me, most people at work, and especially over the last few years, you might have pajamas when you're working, you might, whatever you're wearing. Uh, for me, when I put on this yellow tux, it means it's showtime. It means I'm on stage. It means I need to amplify who I am and be the best version of myself. And so uh, this is for me, and also more than anything, it gives our team permission to have fun, permission to not take yourself too seriously. I believe in fun. I believe in standing out. And I believe in being different. So for me, it's this is just a uh, reflection of, of, I think, my, the best version of myself. So I think it's one thing to have the brand or philosophy affect how you show up in your marketing, say, digitally or even at the stadium before a game, you know, when you're walking around before the game starts, say that I'm someone who's never heard of the team yeah. or how you operate. At what point do I notice, wait, hold on, that something, <laughs> something is different? You know, as, as we've gone all in on who we are and the name of our company is Fans First Entertainment, our mission, Fans First Entertain Always. Every decision we make is Fans First. It's the entire experience that we've had to map. So to answer your question, you know, as soon as you buy a ticket, the first thing that's going to happen is you're going to get a video sent to you. And the one that I was a part of, you know, started with, congrats, you just made the best decision of your day. Right now, as your ticket order came in, a high priority siren went off at our stadium and our Bananiacs rushed to the ticket laboratory to produce your tickets. And then a banana Nana slowly walked in and hand selected your tickets and placed them on a silk pillow. And we sang, nah, Savannah, to celebrate the birth of a new fan. And then we watched your tickets underneath our stadium where they're in our vault, being watched by maximum security, ready for you to go bananas. <laughs> well, so, but like, Jesse, this is something that I, I struggle with with a lot of other brands where it's like, those are touch points that marketing can control, the way it's communicated, the controlled environment. There's also plenty to be said about how that philosophy maybe makes its way onto the field and affects the game, right? Oh, 100%. I mean, no player on our team gets a uniform until they go through fans first you. You can't even put on a uniform until you hear the stories that have built our brand. The fans first you is our onboarding that every single person on our team goes through. And literally, whether we have a guy come in the middle of the season, I drop what I'm doing, I'll spend an hour with them 
sharing them the vision of who we are, what we do, and the stories that have built our brand. So everyone has core beliefs, but do many companies have stories that back up those core beliefs? So I'll bring the team together and I'll share the vision of where we started, the traditions, as Walt Disney would say, and the struggle that we are trying to get support in Savannah and in the community to where we are now. And you know, we pinch ourselves when, you know, with the following and what's happened is we're playing all over the world and it's crazy. I share that. I share the stories of, you know, players, a, a, a guy who joined us as a conditional player, Brian Encarnacion, who was only going to be with us for one day. And two kids came up to him, a five-year-old and a seven-year-old, both in bananas gear and said, hey, can we have your autograph? And he got down to his knee and he said, only if I can have yours. And those two kids gave his autograph, their autograph on his hat. Wow. You know, it, was, it was Ethan and Steve, and they put their names right on this hat. And then from that point on, I tell that story. And now you look at our guys, and our guys have all one name autographs of kids' names all over their hats, all over their sleeves, all over their shirts. And I share the stories of what fans first is. And that's just one, and there's obviously a numerals on. But they understand that they are not here just to play baseball. They are here to create memorable experiences that people will never forget. And so when they understand that, they, it's very easy to say, guys, all right, we're going to do our player dance this inning. All right, guys, here's what we're going to do uh, out in the plaza with the fans. They understand that there's a purpose behind it. It's not just to do the gimmicks. It's to create an experience. As a player, as a, a coach, a member of the staff, a trainer, you know, I've worked so hard to hone the ability that I have, you know, maybe in even more acutely, you feel this as a player where you're you're trying to get to that big stage. And it's been, you know, your lifelong dream to be a player. And then you join a team like the Savannah Bananas and you're asked to sort of learn new skills, try different things that maybe yeah. doesn't affect your your on field performance. Um, have you heard any pushback from players or, you know, if so, how do you address it? One thousand percent in the beginning. I mean, I remember with our first team uh, in Gastonia, North Carolina, before our first game, before our first practice, I brought a dance instructor uh, to it. I said, guys, before we practice, we're going to learn how to dance. And I remember one pitcher in particular said, I'm not doing this. I'm here to play baseball. And he went off into the bullpen and he said, I'm just going to pitch. And the rest of the guys tried to dance. And I'll tell you, they're much better ball players than they were dancers. So, but that first night I got four of them to dance. They did the jump on it dance. Uh, the second game, they did it again. And the fans started cheering more. They started signing more autographs. And by the third game, I'm walking through the, the grandstand and a husband and wife are talking. And I watched the wife go, shut up, honey. They're about to dance. And I was like, all right, we're on to something now. And then halfway through the season, because those guys were the most popular, signing the most autographs, they were loved the most by the fans, that pitcher who was against it came out on the field, ripped his belt off and started doing the jump on a dance going all in. What do we all need? And we do the love languages with everyone on our team, because, you know, if, if you want to create great fans in your business, and I believe everybody, every business you're in, you're not in the business of, of creating customers or getting customers you're in the business of creating fans. It's a different conversation. If you're in the business of creating fans, you need to create fans of your people first, of your team members, of your employees. And so we know what fires them up. And we do love language tests with everybody that comes on our team. And number one, by far, it's not even close. And we have a young team, but number one is words of affirmation words of affirmation by far. And so what happens is all these players, they get more words of affirmation for the videos that they do with us and dancing and the TikToks where, you know, we have 900,000 followers or, you know, any of those or what happens during the game when they're on the dugout and they're doing the YMCA dressed up as the village bananas, which we actually have like a construction person and a, you know, a biker <laughs> and we have, they get in the full uniform. They get more feedback and recognition because of that. So what does it do? It reaffirms that what they're doing is good and making a difference. 
when Bill Leroy literally gets introduced coming from the crowd. We sit him in the with the fans for a whole half inning before he comes to bat, introduces himself to all the fans. They remember that. At the end of the game, they'll say, that was so cool. Thanks for sitting with my daughter. Thanks for sitting with my family. You know, we had 1,400 players reach out to us last year to play for a team of 30 people. And so we've now attracted the right players and we don't have that pushback anymore. Welcome to sports. I'm Amy Zimmer. One game in a Coastal Plain League championship on the line. Yes, it's worth saying out loud here, the Savannah Bananas and all their craziness are good. Really good. This is the moment the bunch sealed the deal. The Bananas secure the Pettit Cup with a 13-3 victory over the Moorhead City Marlins. The team capturing the franchise's second championship in franchise history. First in their division in their first season after the name change, two league championships, players drafted into the majors to the Atlanta Braves, the Oakland A's, Toronto, Cleveland, Kansas City, Milwaukee, the LA Dodgers. In 2021, the league champion Bananas were 36-8. and They won 82% of their games, the most wins among the 16 teams in the Coastal Plain League. And of course, year after year, they lead the league in fan attendance, breaking records along the way. Now, their unique way of operating certainly isn't the lone reason they've had on-field success. Plenty of other, more traditional franchises win baseball games every single year. But what the Bananas have experienced, and what Jesse has concluded, is that the more fun they have, the more their own approach to their work resonates with them on a human emotional level, the more it shows up in the numbers. They're exceptional, thanks in large part to being an exception. There's a bit more to this. Uh, the whole podcast is worth listening. It's the Unthinkable Podcast. Link in show notes. Bye-bye.